Ready, go! Let's talk radio. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. This is Veg Talk Radio. And welcome to Veg Talk Radio. I am Jay, along with my beautiful wife, Elena. How are you? I am well. And yes, this is our pilot program, the first ever in an entire series of whatever. You know, we're going to talk veg, we're going to talk vegan, we're going to talk plant-based, we're going to talk about just about everything that impacts our wonderful blue marble we call Earth. And uh, today's show, we're going to be talking about the common myths, the misconceptions that every one of us vegans run into every time with our families and friends. Where do you get your protein from? And you guys just eat grass, right? Birdseed too. Yeah. Can, can you have, you know, uh, you know, you guys can't have bacon anymore, that kind of stuff. All that's going to be uh, coming up. But right now, let's talk about who we are and how we got to this point. You know, me a, being a 54-year-old male or soon to be a 54-year-old male, I didn't discover veganism until I was, uh, what, 52, about two and a half years ago now. And, uh, and it wasn't because, uh, you know, I came up with it myself. Actually, my beautiful wife, Elena, decided to go vegetarian for a while and start introducing different, uh, different meals at dinner time. And, uh, and I began to just stand up and take notice and figure out, okay, this is, uh, this is something that uh, we have to really take seriously. And then I started doing the research. And then before you knew it, we, we all went vegan. So um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I was the instigator. Uh, several years ago, I was in an exercise class, and my instructor uh, suggested that I set a big goal for myself. And she suggested a sprint triathlon, and I just actually was mortified when she thought that I might be able to do that. And I, I had to noodle it for a little while, and I decided that, you know what, that makes great sense. Why not set a big, hairy, audacious goal and see what I could do? And I'm your average, typical, Midwestern, born and bred, wife, mother, full-time worker. And I thought, how am I going to do this? So I set upon a path and uh, started to train. Uh, I was getting better. But I was not really satisfied with my uh, overall performance. I did end up finishing that sprint triathlon, had a blast with my friends. And, uh, you know, was exercising again one day, and my instructor said, hey, you know, why aren't you running a half marathon? Uh, I am a long-distance runner. I would say a mid-distance. And I thought, are you crazy? Why would I want to do that? And then once again, she planted the seed in my head, and I went, well, maybe I should try that. And I, I started on my, my journey to, to start to really seriously run again. And I realized I really wasn't performing all that well. And it was really a perfect storm because in my career, um, my employer had uh, joined an organization called uh, AASH, and it stands for American Academy of Oral Systemic Health. I happen uh, to have a career in the dental field. And that's where I was introduced to not only dental providers that were looking at healthcare differently, but also all different facets of uh, healthy living, including uh, 
people interested in nutrition and uh, scientists working on uh, bettering people's lives. And I started to go down this path about my own personal health as well as my physical ability to perform. And the more and more I received more information about garbage in, garbage out, what I was putting in my body um, and what I was expecting to get out of it, I decided to start making some incremental changes. And I didn't want to force those changes on my family. Uh, I believe that you have to be self-motivated. So I just started bringing different things into the house, exchanging some things. I did go vegetarian first. Um, I, I wasn't sure whether or not I would be able to figure out a way to have more than one lifestyle in a house, uh, you know, with a, a growing family and a, a husband. Uh, you know, we were raised on meat and potatoes. So I started uh, just taking meat out of my diet, little by little. Uh, I, I would have loved to say that I could have taken everything out all at once and it would have been, you know, sunshine, lollipops and unicorns, but it isn't. Uh, so I just started uh, making, uh, ve- first at first, vegetarian meals, and then I just slowly uh, started adding more vegan uh, options. And my husband, uh, Jay, he, you know, you, you just sat up and took notice and thought, hmm, you know, I started to feel better, but not great. And finally, I decided I was just going to ditch meat and dairy altogether. And I learned more about veganism as a whole. I was more focused on just a plant-based diet um, from a health standpoint. Um, And when I started to really question my behavior and what I was doing and why I was eating certain things, that helped me to make a decision that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. I started to feel so much better when I ditched animal proteins, period. Within three weeks, it was just, uh, I was just feeling really great. And I was really excited about it because um, I, you know, I've had an issue um, with dealing with elevated cholesterol my entire adult life. Uh, I would go to my doctor, he would suggest different things, nothing plant-based, just, you know, different changes in my lifestyle, you know, fish oil or this or that or the other thing. And I did absolutely what I thought was the best at the time uh, to make changes in my health. And I wasn't doing very well with it. I wasn't seeing a lot of results. And when I went uh, vegetarian, those numbers started to go down and I started to pay attention to that. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting that it did that. And I'm, I wasn't um, excited about having to go on any medicine to control, uh, you know, your metabolics. And when I went vegan, I, I, I told my doctor about that. And I said, I want to have my blood tested in six months just to see, um, make sure that everything's still going okay. And my cholesterol dropped significantly dropped. And I went, wait a minute, I must be on the right path. Absolutely. This is working for me. I'm feeling better. Um, my my athletic performance is getting better. Uh, I think clearer. I have more energy during the day. Uh, and during that period of time, I started to question, uh, why could I have a pet, like a cat or a dog, or um, which happens to be the pets that we have? And yet I would 
sit there and consider eating meat. Um, it helped me connect the dots. Uh, I am a compassionate person, but I realized that I was being very hypocritical. Um, you can't, you know, love and and dote on your dog or your cat and then eat a pig, a chicken, a cow, fish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was just really, truly was uh, hypocritical for me. And it took me a while to get through um, that process of coming to terms with the fact that I was not truly compassionate, mm-hmm. uh, that I was hypocritical. I felt a tremendous amount of sorrow, uh, guilt over the amount of pain and suffering that I had caused without even really thinking about it. And that's my personal journey. And I would love to say that I'm 100% vegan. Um, I'm not. I was going to say probably maybe 95, 98% vegan. There's some things that I that have been kind of tricky to get around. Um, you know, if you have to take medication for something, most likely that's been tested on an animal. I, I'm not thrilled about that. Uh, I work diligently every day to figure out a way to be more compassionate and to make it a better place for not only our family, but for generations to come. And our planet and uh, the people on this earth, as well as all of the other sentient beings, are really being pushed to the limit. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's, that's what I'm about. Um, I don't purport to be an expert, but I do know that I've been on a journey, and I'm asked frequently... Um, inquiring questions about my lifestyle and my food choices. And I want to be approachable um, and knowledgeable enough to help someone else make some uh, decisions to make a, 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 a different path for them and their families as well. So that's I'm, how I got into that. I'm always excited when someone will ask me about, you know, what is veganism? How do you start? Where do you go? Where do you learn? Um, and that is very, very exciting. And it is even nicer to have somebody in your life that has such a pivotal and profound impact. Guys, you know, isn't it great that your wife can get you to do things? And my wife has done that on several occasions. Not only has uh, she opened my eyes to the wonderful world of eating better and a plant-based lifestyle and becoming vegan, but I also got addicted to running because of her. <laughs> and, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually a very good thing. So now I find myself doing, you know, duathlons, and now I'm preparing to want to do a, a triathlon. And and weight has always been an issue for me. So when I first started, and, you know, I was 60 pounds heavier, and then all of a sudden the weight just started coming off. And uh, like the first 44 pounds, it was within, what would you say, six months? Yes. I think it I was. Think so. And it was just amazing. And, the, and, and, my, and Elena's correct. When the energy level completely changes, your attitude completely changes, your, um, the way you sleep better, uh, sex is better. Uh, I mean, everything about um, adopting this lifestyle, and it's not a diet. So many people are confused with the fact that, you know, wow, that's a diet. You know, how long do you got to stay on a diet? It's not a keto thing or anything like that. It, it is a true lifestyle change. Because it's more than just about the food. There's three major things for me that uh, when I tried veganism, that made me stay. And that was, you know, obviously the animal's the most important thing for me. Um, my health was pivotal in that decision, as well as the impact on the environment. I mean, just the impact when you look at the details of one person going vegan and how it's uh, 
profoundly impacts our world is just absolutely amazing. And another thing that Elaine and I used to do, uh, well, we still do actually, uh, when we you know travel around the state of Michigan or travel just about anywhere, we will listen to audiobooks. And one of the audiobooks that uh, really had a big impact on us was Dr. Greger's book. How Not to Die. Yeah, How Not to Die. Absolutely fantastic. I would totally recommend it. And this is a shout out to Dr. Greger, which we hope to have here in a couple of weeks, have an interview with him because he will also be at uh, uh, Veg Michigan coming up in Novi. I think that's April 26th. I think it's a Saturday. It's a Novi at the uh, uh, at the center down there. So we'll be down there. We'll hopefully get, grab a, a couple of people to talk to. But also Alicia Silverstone is going to be down there as well. And that will we'll spend a whole show on that just alone, just because of all the cool vegan food and that kind of things. And uh, we also came back from one of the uh, the events just here recently was V three one three. It was the first time we went. It was the second annual V three one three. It was at the Detroit Eastern Market uh, at Shed Number Five. And if you haven't been down to downtown Detroit lately, boy, a lot of great things are changing down there. Uh, matter of fact. Detroit made the uh, list for PETA's uh, vegan-friendly cities. It made number six on the list of the top ten, which is absolutely fantastic. I was excited to hear that, all because of the fantastic restaurants. And uh, one of the things that we're going to also do on this podcast is uh, go around uh, and uh, talk to folks and visit these restaurants and actually uh, give you our take on what we feel about these foods. And one of the one of the places that I'm excited to go to is called Detroit Vegan Soul. And I think we're going to do that here in the next, I think, coming up uh, uh, April 4th, I think, is what we're going to do. Well, so. that sounds good. I, I, I didn't realize we were having date night, and that'll be really wonderful. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I did really enjoy uh, the, the, the V313 event. Uh, it was a little bit smaller than the one that's held in Novi. It had, uh, it had great vendors, uh, natural products to use on your skin, uh, there were folks there that had um, uh, desserts for sale and preserves. And your favorites, Blue Moon oh, ice cream yes. is now being made <laughs> full time. And non dairy ice cream, yeah, I, I I do have a weak spot for that. Uh, Blue Moon ice cream is pretty delish. Uh, and we even had uh, they had uh, the food trucks, a couple of them there. I had a delicious uh, kung pao. Uh, crispy tofu wrap. Mm, so did I. It's uh, it delicious. was just loaded with veg. Yum, 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 delish. Yum, yum. <laughs> uh, we did have an opportunity to uh, uh, to listen to some fantastic speakers. Dr. Milton Mills. Yes, very. Uh, it was educational, fun, uh, great place to go meet uh, people of like minds. Uh, I am definitely looking forward to uh, returning to that event next year as well. Yeah, we'll be going to that. And uh, also a lot of the other veg fests that are happening around the country, uh, we will get that opportunity to uh, definitely do that. But uh, coming up next in the show is we're going to be uh, talking uh, about the common myths of uh, veganism and the constant weird questions you get, you know, where do you get your protein and and those kind of questions. That's all coming up after we have our Veg Talk Radio News for the week of uh, March 16th. That's coming up. This is Veg Talk Radio News for March 16th, 2019. Jaden Smith has already helped to donate water to Flint through the company he and his father founded. You know that movie star Will Smith. Well, now his nonprofit foundation is working to pilot a reverse osmosis filtration system in Flint, 
The Daily Mail reports that Jaden mentioned the effort during the WeWork Global Summit. J-U-S-T, Just, the eco-friendly water company, said it's not immediately clear to the extent of the pilot program. Now, last year, Just donated thousands of bottles of water to the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan for distribution in Flint. The Daily Mail story says Jaden Smith told the summit Wednesday that his nonprofit foundation, Just Impact, was piloting the water filtration system. Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old Swedish girl who has made international headlines for her fight to bring political action and attention to climate change, has been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. Thunberg gained international attention after her passionate speech on climate change at the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Poland. Many people say that Sweden is just a small country and it doesn't matter what we do. But I've learned that you are never too small to make a difference. And if a few children can get headlines all over the world just by not going to school, then imagine what we could all do together if we really wanted to. But to do that, we have to speak clearly, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. You only speak of green, eternal economic growth because you are too scared of being unpopular. You only talk about moving forward with the same bad ideas that got us into this mess. Greta helped start the Fridays for Future movement, which encourages students to strike from school to draw attention to the issue of climate change. In other news, Leonardo DiCaprio has backed a $150 million climate change fund, the Princeville Climate Technology Fund. This fund invests in technology companies that strive to positively address climate change issues. DiCaprio has long fought for environmental issues using his celebrity status and his first social media platform to advocate for positive change. Well, three out of four consumers in the U.S. are in favor of labeling vegan meats with terms such as sausage, steak, and burger. According to new research, ingredient communications and SurveyGoo surveyed nearly 1,000 adults of varying dietary preferences. Now, regarding their attitudes about vegan meat labeling, while vegetarian participants uh, were the most vocal group, about one in three were in favor of banning those terms. A total of approximately 6.5 million Canadians are actively reducing or completely eliminating their consumption of meat, according to the study conducted by Delhouse University. Uh, these researchers were interested in discovering how Canadians were responding to the 2019 Canadian Food Guide, which de-emphasizes the consumption of meat and dairy. Instead of recommending that Canadians focus on uh, plant-based sources for uh, protein, the researchers uncovered that 1.3 million people in Canada now identify as vegetarian and 466,000 as vegan, both representing the highest numbers of those categories recorded in Canada. And for the love of bean curd, last month, several regions in Canada responded to tofu shortages as a result of the new food guide. Well, this has been Veg Talk Radio News for the week of March 16, 2019. For details on these and other stories, visit us anytime at vegtalkradio.com. And welcome back to Veg Talk Radio. In today's show, we're talking about the common myths and misconceptions behind veganism. All those goofy questions we always get as vegans. You know, like one of the first ones that I like to bring up, where do you get your protein from? Come on. That is the most common misconception out there, that you have to consume meat in order to get enough protein. This is simply not true as there are, you know, many proteins available in all 
uh, plant-based products. And one of the big, uh, uh, big questions I like to ask in, in response to that, and thanks to Elena, she's the one that brought this one up, well, I'll come back and say, well, um, how do you get your protein as a meat eater? Well, I get it from meat. Okay, well, where does meat come from? They come from cows. Okay, so where do cows get protein from? And then they then the light bulb goes on and go, oh, I get it now. Yeah, that's right. We just choose to cut out the middleman and save a cow's life and just go ahead and eat those plants because those plants are absolutely delicious. That's what I like. So, and another common misconception and question that we often get, and uh, some people get this question too, but this is kind of a weird one. What if you're stranded on a on a, a deserted island? You know, despite the fact that you know the situations are obviously a rare occurrence, this question does seem to get asked a lot of us vegans. But odd, really, because when you Google desert island survival tips, uh, finding drinkable water tends to be top of the list. So, um, but I always come back and say, okay, well, if there's a, you know, pig there or animals there, what are the animals eating? How do they, you know, how do they survive? So I would much rather share whatever resources they're eating uh, instead of eating the animal because it's just something I couldn't do. So um, another one that comes up is uh, doesn't tofu and soy contain estrogen and lower testosterone? Uh, if that was the case, my wife would be complaining that I would need a bra now and I'd have man <laughs> boobs that down to my knees. Uh, but mm, that's just not the case because, you know, soybeans do contain isoflavones. That's today's big word of the day, isoflavones, which are members of a group of compounds called psychroestrogens because of isoflavones bind to the same receptors in the body as estrogen. A misconception has built up about how soy or soya, the bottom line is that isoflavins are not the same as estrogen. And I think uh, Ellen said something about too when she mentioned about where do you get your protein? Well, she comes back, well, where do you get your riboflavin? I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was in one of her uh, one of her little comedic routines that was actually pretty funny. So that's true. I always get, well, what do you well, what can you eat? And I say, I I eat everything. It's funny when they, I think they think we just eat grass and bird seed. So sometimes I just look at them and I say grass and bird seeds because, you know, some, it, it's some people you can reach and some people, they just take a little bit more time. I think one of the things that I found most interesting is, is that we're so ingrained in our habit uh, and our traditions of what we eat. Uh, you know, uh, in a previous life, uh, you know, your breakfast is, is, I don't know, eggs, bacon, you know, sausage, uh, pancakes, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and lunch, you know, it had to be something with meat and dinner had to be something with meat or, or cheese or, or eggs or something like that. And when I decided to, to just have a plant-based diet, it really, I had to shake off those shackles of that belief system that breakfast was a certain thing and lunch was a certain thing and dinner was a certain thing. I, I eat what I want to eat. You know, I, I might have beans and rice for breakfast, or I might have a beautiful, you know, veg stir fry for lunch or dinner. And it doesn't really, it, I don't have to be confined to just oatmeal or cereal or toast yeah. for breakfast. I, I, I find it to be actually very freeing uh, to look inside my refrigerator or my pantry and be creative about what I'd like to eat right now. 
Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is uh, I could be considered one of those junk food vegans because, man, there's some there's some plant-based cheeses out there that are absolutely killer, you know, from, uh, what's it, Field Roast, obviously, uh, Daya makes a new, uh, a new re, I don't know, I can't say repurposed, it's a, a new and improved version 2.0 of their cheese that melts very, very well on, on cheeseburgers. Speaking of which, Beyond Meat has a, has a great burger. If you haven't tried it, it's available at Kroger's, uh, I believe some publics have it as well down south. Uh, but here in Michigan, you can get it at Kroger's, and I believe some Myers also carries it as well. Uh, but what we found out just recently, speaking of food, we found the Impossible Burgers at White Castle right down the street. You can get the vegan Impossible Burger there. And, uh, and as so a, if you want a junk food fix, you know. Yeah, and, and If you need that junk food and fix, for yes. A lot of for a lot of people considering a vegetarian and ultimately a vegan diet, it can be undaunting because you're so, you know, it. society uh, has just taught us that, you know, we have to eat on the run and we it has to be quick and convenient and in a microwavable package. And so when you look at becoming vegan, it can be undaunting in the beginning because you think, oh, wow, you know, what am I going to eat or how am I going to prepare meals for my family or myself when, you know, I, I don't come home for lunch, I have to eat at my job. Those kinds of those kinds of issues do come up and it's okay to use processed foods as a transition. Right. Ultimately, you really, it, it's in your best interest health-wise uh, to consider a whole food plant-based diet I, our, our body metabolizes it better, but Hey, you know what? In my previous life, I liked a good burger. Mm -hmm. I I still eat a really fabulous burger. It just just happens not to be uh, a product of, uh, enslavement, cruelty, uh, slaughter, uh, and, uh, from a product that's going to make me very ill. So it, I think it's all right. I mean, I'd like to be a complete purist and say, you know, I only eat something whole foods. But, you know, I shared uh, earlier in this podcast, uh, I I like burgers and ice cream, you know. And so is it a mainstay in my diet? No, it isn't an everyday occurrence. But it is nice to know that there are some options uh, for vegans now. Uh, It is frustrating when I have to um, try to... I'm more... I'm more to myself than Jay <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to being really vocal. Uh, I do have to pre-plan when I go out with friends uh, so that I can find something that is suitable because, you know, I don't want to eat just dry toast or a baked potato. And yeah. most places uh, are not accommodating to vegans. Uh, most of the time I'll, I'll get someone that doesn't have a clue what I'm asking uh, or they're offended that I'm asking those questions and I just simply want to know how food is prepared. And it surprises me how many times I'm in a restaurant that the, that the, uh, server really can't answer that question. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it is kind of interesting when they say, well, what do you eat? Well, I eat a wide variety of things. They, I honestly, there are so many vegan combinations that I won't be able to eat all of them in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the jokes we'd like to play on everybody is just like, well, what do you eat? And then bring it over, have them over for supper. And then just Elaine and I have a bowl of grass. 
you know, and it's like, you know, we have to freeze this grass in the wintertime because, you know, we got to, you know, we got to eat, but this is the only thing we can eat. So that's one of those things I think we're going to have to do when we have family and friends over. It's like, well, what do you eat? And we just bring out a big, huge bowl of grass. That would just be hilarious to me anyway. So, um, and that, that is, it is funny, but it is funny. But one of the questions we also get to speaking of grass is do plants feel pain? Uh, if, if you've learned anything in science, you know, know that, uh, that pl- plants don't have a nervous system and they're not, uh, you know, they don't have a brain, yep. they're not sentient. Yeah, they beings. don't have nerve endings or brains. In other words, plants just possess none of the uh, receptors that sentient beings, which is, you know, cows, pigs, fish, you know, all have. So that's a simple one. But uh, here's one of the big ones too um, is uh, we have canine teeth. Doesn't that mean we are carnivores? And you being in the dental field, you can simply say, you know, I can answer saying, well, we're not carnivores because, you know, we don't survive on a carnivorous diet. We can, however, survive as vegans and in many cases are more healthy than omnivores, obviously, because if you look at uh, Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen, look at it read, or read his book, you'll find out that, uh, what is it, the 12 or 14 of the top 15 um, uh, diseases that um, humans die from are, you know, can be reversed or severely limited by what you eat. So, and I find it interesting. Uh, once again, I'm not a scientist, but I do, uh, I do research and I do listen to the experts in the fields so that I can have a better understanding. Uh, physiologically, we are just not built like a carnivore. We aren't. Uh, our jaw size and shape uh, is not indicative of a true carnivore. Uh, true carnivores. Uh, we were listening to Dr. Milton Mills. Yeah, Dr. Milton Mills at the uh, three and three. Yeah. He has a very compelling um, presentation about this exact subject. So I would really recommend anybody that's really interested in understanding more about the physiology as well as the psychology of human beings as a whole and how we fit into the uh, entire food chain and system. Uh, we'll start to understand better that we really weren't built for that. I guess there could be an argument uh, made to say that we're more scavenger than anything else. Uh, but I, you know, it, the science doesn't lie. Uh, a plant-based, plant-based lifestyle is the best for our internal systems and how they work metabolically. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not the one that's the debater. I am. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it because uh, there's a lot of great people out there who really have a firm grasp on, you know, why we're actually herbivores rather than omnivores by choice. Because we're not omnivores by nature, we're omnivores by choice is what some people would say. But um, Mike the Vegan uh, also has a great video series on this uh, and he breaks it down pretty well. And what I like about him is that he injects science into every single argument. So and what you just said, science doesn't lie, and it's absolutely you know fantastic when you start opening your eyes and ears to these things. Another another question is, well, how, how could you make a big impact, or or you know just one person? Yeah, that was the uh, next question. Yeah, but how can you you know you're not really going to make a difference, or you're not going to make a change uh, in what's going on with the climate and the world? And I, I truly beg to differ. Uh, one of the things that I, I jokingly kidded about with my husband when I first, uh, went on this journey was I feel like, you know, uh, each and every one of us have superhero powers. I, I happen to be one of those big raving fans of the Marvel 
movies that are out and yes. and and the I new like Avengers movies coming out. Yes, <laughs> and I I think to myself, well, what kind of you know when you're talking uh, with a child, the young a young kid, and and they'll say, well, I want to be like Superman or Batman or you know Superwoman or those are DC. No, well, well I don't know all the comics, <laughs> but it, what are your superhero powers? You know, I. I have worked diligently throughout my life to recycle, you know, to use uh, uh, low-dose shower heads and, you know, shut the lights off when you're not in the room and make sure you don't have a leaky faucet. And when I started to do more research about how I could truly impact the environment being just one person, I I, I came across some statistics that, to me, blew me away. For one pound of beef... By me not just eating one pound of beef, I've saved a thousand gallons of water. I mean, that's like six months of showers. Yeah. Give me a break. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be conservative with water, but uh, it, it, that's a real simple choice. Mm-hmm. 45 pounds of grain. And it, I, animals' lives, I'll save like, I don't know, I, I think the statistic is like 900 animals over a course of over a year. 30 square feet of forest, 20 pounds of carbon dioxide. Animal agriculture is responsible for up to 91% of the Amazon rainforest um, destruction. They're clearing land so that they can either farm to raise food for animals or actually create pastures. Uh, There are 795 million people on this planet starving. That is just staggering. But we feed 56 billion, with a B, farm animals. I mean, you just got to look at that for a minute and go, you know, that just don't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. So when I hear, well, you know, well, how much of a difference can you make? You, you bet your sweet, your sweet booty, behind, your booty yeah. that you do make a difference. And each person that makes this conscious choice makes a difference. It lowers the suffering, not only of human beings, but of animals. It just, it blows me away. The more I learn, the more I become so much more passionate about this lifestyle and sharing this with other people. Because people go like, oh, well, it's too expensive to be vegan. There's another There's one. There's another one. Yeah. Beans well, and rice are the most common things you can get, and those are the cheapest. Seriously? Yeah, can it be expensive? Sure. If, if you eat a gonna, lot of the processed yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to eat a ton of processed stuff, you're not going to make any food of your own at home. Uh, yeah, then it could be an expensive lifestyle. Absolutely. But that's not what it's about. It's getting back to if if you can't pronounce the name, you know, if you can't pronounce the names on the back of a package. Poly, fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy gate. Maybe yeah. it would be a good idea not to eat it. Yeah. I mean, I understand that they add vitamins and minerals to foods and those kinds of things. But, I mean, you know, the all-knowing Google, you whip out your phone, you put it in your phone, you figure out what it is, and then you might make a decision, a better decision. So it's really interesting when people go, well, I'm not much of a cook. Uh, Okay. Rice isn't rocket science. Opening a can of beans and rinsing them off is not rocket science. You know, making a choice in the grocery store to select a, one of the plant-based milks, it's not rocket science. Oh, well, that's expensive. Well, it doesn't also include pain and misery and death. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, junk in, junk out. So for me, it, it's interesting when people say, well, you can't, you know, are you really going to be able to make that kind of difference? Absolutely, yeah. you can. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There are so many questions that we get, but I think we're just about running out of time for this uh, particular podcast. So we'll have plenty more coming up in the weeks. We'll be doing this every week. And, uh, and I think the next show that we're going to be talking about will be, I think the uh, uh, resistance is futile. You will be vegan. And we're going to kind of dive in more uh, closely uh, on the environmental impacts of veganism and how you are going to make a huge difference when you actively make the right choice. So, Elena, it's been wonderful. Until next time. And until next time, we're going to keep doing this. I hope you guys uh, will obviously find us again. And uh, as you've got any questions, just drop us a line at podcasts at vegtalkradio.com. And we'll be uh, talking to you next week. To learn more about veganism, a plant-based lifestyle, recipes, podcasts, and our blog, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And always bookmark our website at www.vegtalkradio.com.